Welcome everybody to another episode of our Galatians podcast. You are joining me and Christian Ann. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> Thank you for introducing yourself. You're joining us around our Airbnb table at the end of our little getaway. We are that nerdy guys that we can't even go on vacation without doing a pastor thing. <laughs> <laughs> We love it. We're sitting down to read this week's Galatians text, and uh, we, we thought, hey, let's just press record and see what happens. So yeah. you're joining us, my, you know, one-third cup of Americano, and the four deer that we're staring at in the backyard. So JD's really happy if, about it. <laughs> if I seem distracted, you know, but uh, today we're reading Galatians 3. 1 through 18. So Christian Ann's going to read it for us in the NRSV. Yep. We'd, we'd encourage you to just uh, pause, bring out whatever version that you uh, typically read in and maybe notice the differences, uh, follow along with us, or maybe just find a calm, quiet space to listen uh, to these words. And we'll be asking uh, what's standing out to us, what questions we have and what we think, or what we sense the Holy Spirit is saying to us and our community. So, Yeah. NRSV is one of my favorite translations to read it in because it's great for study. Um, and it's also mindful of uh, sort of gender differences in culture. So um, it, it's intentional in that. Um, but not without neglecting the original text, which I've really appreciated. So this is Galatians 3, 1 through 18. You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly exhibited as crucified. The only thing I want to learn from you is this. Did you receive the Spirit by doing the works of the law or believing what you heard? Are you so foolish? Having started with the spirit, are you now ending with the flesh? Did you experience so much for nothing? <clears throat> it is really, it really was for nothing. Well then, does God supply you with the spirit and work miracles among you by your doing works of the law or by your believing what you heard? Just as Abraham believed, just as Abraham believed God and it was reckoned to him as righteousness, quote, so you see, that those who believe are the descendants of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, declared the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, quote, All the Gentiles shall be blessed in you. Quote. For this reason, those who believe are blessed with Abraham who believed. For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, Quote, cursed is everyone who does not observe and obey all the things written in the book of the law, end quote. Now it is evident <clears throat> that there is no one is justified before God by the law. For, quote, the one who is righteous will live by faith, quote. But the law does not rest on faith. On the contrary, quote, whoever does the works of the law will live by them, quote. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, quote, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, end quote, in order that 
in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Brothers and sisters, I give an example from daily life. Once a person's will has been ratified, no one adds to it or annuls it. Now the promises were made in Abraham and to his offspring. It does not say, quote, and to offsprings, as of many, but it says, quote, and to our offspring, that is to one person who is Christ. My point is this, the law which came 430 years later does not annul a covenant previously ratified by God so as to nullify the promise. Four, if the inheritance comes from the law, it no longer comes from the promise, but God granted it to Abraham through the promise. The word of the Lord. The word of the Lord. <laughs> wow, a lot there. Mm-hmm. Anything striking you or standing out? You can start talking because I, I read it, so I'm still like mulling on different things that stand out. I just, I mean, I think it's helpful when I'm reading it out loud that I were I decided to say the quotes that were happening if someone's just listening to this in the car because there's a lot of scripture that's being quoted mm-hmm. from the Old Testament and yeah, that's an important factor in this scripture. That's something I noticed, obviously. Yeah. I'm trying to follow because Paul's making like a logical argument mostly from his Jewish scruples if you will Hmm. Um, so it's like someone kind of opening the Bible and making it an exegetical argument or like an argument from the text and so I was trying to just follow that and the first thing that stood out to me is like when he talks about people encountering Jesus and authentically becoming Christians, he talks about an experience of the Spirit, mm-hmm. which is really interesting. Yeah. So in a way, he he says, like, do you think that you're experiencing the Spirit now based on the law? Like, that's, like, his first critique yeah. is, like, excuse me, I didn't sit down and, like, show you how to follow Torah law for you to have this abundant freedom Hmm. and this clear experience of God's um, energizing power in your life like that's the starting that's a starting place for him and that's I think I I hear his anger in that that like what has come and stifled that fundamental reality is as we've discussed before these folks who are coming and putting the law on them Mm mm-hmm and I, I think that translates well to some of my own experience being susceptible to religiosity and, like, internal law, if you will. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, when I think about when I became a Christian, when I think about my first joy of being in a relationship with Jesus, it was an authentic experience with the presence of God, mm-hmm. the Spirit of God in my life. And I... I remember that eight, I've told you about the eight-year-old JD. On I was the bus. I was waiting for the eight-year-old JD <laughs> bus story. I was like, "Come on, bring it! Yeah. Our church needs to hear this." I I grew up in the church, <clears throat> but I, uh, 
I would say in Paul's terms here, encountered the Holy Spirit and the presence of Jesus through the Holy Spirit when I was eight at, at Bible camp. And I was with my dad, who was a youth pastor at the time. And I remember just being so energized, I guess, is the best memory I have. So much so that a little eight-year-old JD on the long bus ride home from North Dakota did what he saw, you know, Christians do. And he walked around the bus and said, I'm about to preach this sermon on the love of God. Because I was so taken by the love of God. First John. Come on up and hear First John. My first act as... (laughs) A, uh, as a Christian was uh, to hold a, a tent revival meeting inside of a moving at the front bus, of the bus at the front of the bus <laughs> I can't recall if anyone came to my tent revival in the in the in the front of the bus but I always say that I would have been there Christian Ann would have been there. She's, <laughs> she's, she's in there in spirit I think some people came and very you know graciously listened to my eight-year-old sermon on first John but I just like remember first the experience of mm-hmm. that and the feeling of that and I I hear I hear Paul calling people back to that as yeah. a as a foundation for making his argument like we so off, often as westerners love to stay in our head and say hey what is the right logical argument here and Paul is certainly happy to do that. He goes yes. on to do it, and he makes, says, "I'm like I'm more than equipped." Yeah. He says, "In all sorts of things." He's like, "Hey, I'll 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 go toe to toe theologically," and he does in what he does next. But it, it's I think really important, just practically for our everyday lives, when we're experiencing anything that seems like this religiosity or this shouldism, maybe yes. we'd call it, yeah, uh, in our faith. And if we feel distant from that Holy Spirit moment uh, mm-hmm. or just genuine joy of our initial salvation, we should return to that place and that should be the starting place mm-hmm. for how we think about freedom, how we think about the broader question of Galatians is what does it mean to be a Christian anyways? That's a good place to start. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking. Really about. good thoughts. I When you were sharing about having an encounter with the Holy Spirit versus... A logical argument I think and for many people the, you know this worked for a period of time and maybe maybe you came to Christ this way but like there was a lot of training around how to present the right argument of the gospel not even argument but proposition of the gospel it's like there was so much trust that people's minds would be transformed and then they would quote believe yeah. in Jesus there's like you know Romans Road like there's all these mechanisms yeah. but what I hear you saying and what I think Paul is saying too is did you encounter the Holy Spirit and I remember kind of from what we learned um, earlier on when you were sharing kind of about the context about this is that there was what like 13 years or something like that like there was many years in between when they first heard the gospel and they were living this life and then he's writing this letter to them now saying hey 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 like you're going backwards you know um so, yeah, like you're, you're, this isn't, this isn't the way, you know? Yeah, it's about the same amount of time. I mean, I'm 34 now. The distance between 34 and 8 is probably a little bit more, but roughly the same time as uh, oh, that's an interesting these thought. folks yeah. encountering Paul's gospel message and then being written this letter, mm-hmm. which honestly, in the stages of development of the human life and faith, it's a pitfall to fall back into securing our faith mm-hmm. on 
ritual or doctrine not that those are bad things they're good things but if they aren't spirit filled spirit motivated uh, endeavors Mm -hmm. they aren't fundamentally about and that's where where he's getting into about it's primarily about the faithfulness of Jesus and our our faithful relationship to that faithfulness in Jesus through Mm -hmm. the power of the Holy Spirit like the first question is like how are we actually Christians and it, he's not shying away from like the atonement theory that Jesus took on the consequences of sin to free us to receive the spirit through relationship with him but he also goes on to the second question for the Jew then is how do you actually keep being a Christian mm-hmm. and that's where the, these these temptations to like well we're going to use the Jewish framework of the law to make sure that you're still a Christian you right, know? right. and that's what makes Paul so mad he's like no why why do we have to go beyond what is initially right. what that's is what, the foundational truth and it can be the end of the sentence yeah we don't have to like, add on the stuff it is both the beginning and the means mm-hmm. relationship with Jesus empowered by the spirit and that's why he gets into the fruits of the spirit later instead of like he contrasts the fruits of the law and the mm-hmm. fruits of the spirit it's like we don't need the law anymore we don't need that and that's that's a wild adventure to be led by by the spirit and it's just you have have talked about this like in times of anxiety and stress we cling to rules and ru- mm-hmm. rubrics of life maybe sometimes in a healthy way to get us through but like when that becomes the the justifying mechanism when that's what we're actually putting our faith into you know mm-hmm. that becomes a problem yeah i think what i heard too was a lot like him recalling back to Abraham is a very important thing here. And I think as Christians who are maybe not as connected to the Old Testament, we say like, why do we keep doing this? (laughs) Maybe that's not so important. But he's going back to that covenant. Mm. And covenant is about committed relationship. And what's unique about... Warning here. Christian Anne's about to talk to covenant about covenant. (laughs) Here we go. I've thought about covenant a lot. And Not a warning, just like it. Yeah, yeah. Get ready. Get ready. It might, you might hear me geek out a little bit. And that's, that's, this, this is so important, it can't be missed. Um, there are different types of covenant. Mm. And there is a different type of covenant that happened with Abraham than there was with the law. Wow. There, is, there are two different types of covenant. The first one is completely unconditional. Wow. The second one is conditional. And so they're saying, okay, when maybe some of you are thinking, what is covenant? And why are you using that big, you know, word that has lost a lot of meaning in our current context? Covenant is this committed relationship that spans throughout time and is not necessarily dictated by circumstances, dictated by relationship and commitment between two or more people. Mm-hmm. And God's covenant with the Israelite people wasn't just for them because it was Abraham was supposed to be a blessing like you will be blessed his commitment to Abraham and his people is you'll be blessed and then you will be a blessing to others so what Paul is arguing here is that that initial covenant relationship that God commits to the people of Abraham and his descendants his offspring Mm -hmm. is about this unconditional loving relationship that God's not going to go anywhere and what 
happens, as we see in history with the Israelite people, is that they they can't hold that. Like they have, they don't know how to hold that unconditional loving relationship and show that in return. So God gives them a way of showing that in return and sort of remaining steadfast, remaining committed, kind of a way of life, which is the law. Mm. But it, what happens then is, and and it is conditional because no one can no one can fulfill the law completely mm. except Jesus. Mm. <laughs> so Jesus is that ultimate fulfillment of the law, and is the perfect example that takes on all the ways that we didn't fulfill it, the curse, as it's talked about in here, to say this was always about relationship. Um, so when we miss that, it's we, we miss an important thing that, that he's saying here, it was never conditional. on It was never like God's commitment to us yeah. was always unconditional first. So I'm going to try to just say this back to you. Yes, please. There was two different kinds of covenants. Mm -hmm. And God's covenant with Abraham was unconditional, meaning that I will will bless you to be a blessing to nations. Mm -hmm. Those are all one thing. And um, this covenant relationship is for the health of you, your own, and the world. Right. And it was always inclusive. Always inclusive mm-hmm. and always beyond and always ever growing and including folks. And then the people of Israel became kind of Abraham in a way or mm-hmm. Abraham's offspring. And what Paul is arguing for that that relationship was ultimately upheld by the faithfulness of God. Yes. And Jesus that functions both yeah. as a uh the that's what he says it's like Mm -hmm. the descendant of the seed or whatever he calls it yeah offspring the offspring singular of abraham that fulfills means like is completely faithful to god in relationship to god right and the law too but that doesn't matter um Primarily being in relationship with God and then ultimately to the nth most degree so that the whole world can be invited into that covenant relationship, into that family. Into that family. When you hear covenant, you can hear family. family. Yeah. Like, and God is a committed father who incarnated God's self, you know, to fulfill that, that covenant so that other people could be invited into it. And it's like, you know, it'd be, I guess the analogy then is like, if you're entering into a family system and they demand you to become a particular part of who they are, right? which happens Remove, all the time. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, like, and it's, so that's one way to understand what Paul's speaking into here. Like the family system of Judaism is so uh, accustomed to their customs. Mm-hmm. That they're like, wait a minute, Every all these newcomers need to assimilate mm-hmm. to what it means to be Jewish. And Paul's like, that is a big adventure of missing the point. Yes. What it essentially means to be Jewish is not even to be Jewish. It means to be in relationship with God. Mm-hmm. And Jesus has fulfilled all of the old rituals or customs of being Jewish and has made it something new. And beyond a new humanity, a new Israel, which are terms that are used in the mm-hmm, New Testament, mm-hmm. in order to 
so that access to the relationship a relationship with God, which is a pretty good understanding of indwelling of the Holy Spirit, yeah, um, is available to everyone. Yes, and so, yeah, that's it's a it's always about like it's always about relationship first. Yeah, and when we miss that, when our bodies miss that, when we feel like we're constantly under the quote unquote the disciplinary of the law, which is language that Paul uses here, we're missing the person of God. We're missing the person of Jesus and the life of love and freedom in the spirit and joy and peace and, you know, all the fruits of the spirit. We're missing that because we are choosing a loyalty to some sort of law or oppression, you know, like all that. Like we're, we're putting that on ourselves. So it strikes me, and maybe this is part of what the Holy Spirit's saying to us through this practice, or at least to me, I'll say we ought to ask questions like, first, like I introduced earlier, what did it feel like to mm-hmm. be empowered? And what did it feel like to meet Jesus first? Because mm-hmm. that's probably the authentic experience of being indwelled by the Holy Spirit. What are the ways that we try to atone for ourselves? Mm-hmm. Which is like another way of saying what law or additional things do we put on ourselves? And I've got a, I've got plenty of answers to that question, <laughs> as I'm as <coughs> as acutely aware. I try to define my relationship, my ability to be in relationship with God by primarily the things I do or choose instead of Jesus mm-hmm. and His free invitation to be in relationship and to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. And that's the third question, maybe. What's what what do we see that's actually powering our Christian lives and mm. our lives in general. Do we see that primarily practices and pleasing customs, God. <clears throat> pleasing God, trying to uh, satisfy some internal rubric we have to say we're good enough? Is that actually motivating and empowering our lives? Or is it the beautiful, loving covenant? Uh, if you last time talked about attaching to Mm -hmm. the attachment we have with God is that is the relationship itself actually the fuel which is the empowering presence of God in our lives Mm -hmm. or is it whatever means we're trying to uh, justify the relationship Mm -hmm. that's Mm -hmm. justification really justifying the relationship we're trying to justify the relationship by all the things we've done and we don't Paul's saying no 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 thanks Mm mm-hmm this is, this is about family. It's about yeah. how, how God yeah. invites us into family. Wow. And always has. Yeah. You know, that's why he's talking about offspring and, you know, like. Hmm. And when we miss that, and when our own family experience taints that, yeah. you know. Maybe you grew up in a family that what you did was, felt way more important than who you were. Wow. And... You, Not maybe you did. You probably you did. Pro- <laughs> like yeah. our, our human relationships with our families often taint this. Yeah. But what is it like to really experience God's unconditional love that he wanted to display to us in the yeah. person of Jesus? And do you know that Jesus? Do you know that God? Yeah. Have you experienced that amazing closeness of the Holy Spirit? Yeah. Wow. To me, those are the things that I'm trying to ask in my mid thirties yeah. and trying to re like reconnect, reattach to, mm. to God. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. And that's why I think he's using such strong language. This, you foolish Galatians, <laughs> you're missing this. Yeah. One thing that's in my my spirit is for people I love in this community, outside of this community, who've gone through, for lack of a better phrase, or going through a season of deconstruction. We, mm-hmm. uh, I, I know throwing out that word has all these connotations and all these like people understand that word in different ways. With all of its qualifications, I think that's a part of necessary faith development, actually. And I think part of the hard work is to look out and extend out these customs and systems that we were a part of that defined what it meant to be a Christian anyways and our relationship to those things Mm -hmm. and how we're pulling value from those things, how we use those things to identify ourselves and uh, understand our relationship with God. And a necessary part of this is returning back to pure attachment Mm -hmm. with God Mm -hmm. outside of those Yes. Things. Not to say we're throwing them in the ditch. They're completely, not in a binary sense, like we're throwing them in the trash and we're done with them. Right. But every generation, every person to go on a faith journey has to look at the things that were handed to them, the customs, the the family way of life, Mm -hmm. and always has to recreate or... Reapproach. Reapproach, basically attach to God for themselves through a healthy journey and let the spirit in his wildness carve out what life independence independence on him actually looks like mm-hmm. and then humbly turn around and say the next generation is probably going to do the same thing yeah you know? right when we're done with all right that. when we're done with all <laughs> that so. there you go welcome to our breakfast table. Yeah. <laughs> no, we're, we're going on 26 minutes, so we could probably let yes, these people this, go. <laughs> yeah, bye. This will be the only uh, Galatian study from Grand Marais Airbnb, but I hope you enjoyed it. Thank you for reading Galatians with us. We clearly love this. Our hope is that it sparks a love for God and Scripture in you as well. Mm-hmm. See you all later. Bye.